We have a special bonus episode for you. We just did an awesome event at Fleet Feet in Boulder to talk about that marathon down in Orlando. We did a panel co-hosted by Kara Goucher with Sarah Vaughn, Noah Drotti, and Brianna Bomer. It was presented by Wazell, Emic Volkswagen, and Boulderthon. The discussion was packed full of actionable and helpful insights for navigating the ups and downs of a runner's journey and how setting big goals helps in all aspects of life. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to For the Long Run. We explore the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated, and how they've been able to achieve sustainable excellence. From Olympians to ultramarathoners and business owners, from the back of the pack and all the way to the front, we believe in creating community and expanding the running world for all. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt, and we're so glad you're here. Thank you everyone for coming. This is the, how are we calling it? We can't use the word Olympics. The, the marathon panel. We're talking about, we're talking about the marathon okay. in Orlando. Um, we have a couple of amazing athletes and panelists up here. First, thank you to Fleet Feet for hosting us. Thank you to Boulderthon. Thank you to all of the brands that we have here making this possible. Nobolitos, Saucony, New Balance, For the Long Run, Turbundi. We even have cars out there. Those are electric vehicles from Emic. Go electric. Um, so we're going to do some quick intros here. Uh, and Wazelle is the sponsor of this panel and a couple of the athletes up here. Um, so we're going to do some quick intros. The topic for this conversation is the ups and downs of a running life and how setting big goals makes the rest of life better. So how does running interact with life? Um, we have Olympians, we have marathon winners, we have amazing people up here on this panel who have awesome experiences in running. And then we have many people in the audience who also have awesome experiences in running, and we want to have some time for questions at the end. This panel will be recorded if you want to listen to it later and released on For the Long Run podcast. That's the podcast that I host. I think, yeah, everybody on this panel has been on the podcast. Um, which is all about exploring the why and understanding what helps runners run long, strong, and stay motivated. So without further ado, let's start with Kara, who is helping me co-host this conversation. Yeah. I'm introducing myself. My name's Kara, and I'm a runner. I'm probably most famous for being Des Linden's bestie. <laughs> um, I'm sponsored by Wazelle. I ran in a couple Olympic Games, and now I get to talk about really good athletes. I'm Brianna. I have been um, honored to be on the Wazelle Underbird team. Um, I'm born and raised in Colorado. I'm a runner. I am a dog mom. And, and a I, cat mom. And a cat mom. <laughs> cat mom first. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and then I'm a part of a um, social impact startup right now as well. So... I'm Noah. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, been out here for eight years, I think. Uh, I'm a marathoner. This will be my third Olympic trials in the marathon. Um, so I'm getting old, as you can see in the beard. Uh, it's just snow. It's just and snow. Ice. Yeah, yeah. I have a wife and a dog, and I'm happy to be here. And he loves Nopalitos. I love Nopalitos. Who doesn't? Yeah. Um, my name is Sarah. I am a mom mom and, and a dog mom. 
Yeah. Many moms. Um, you're actually a mom, 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 mom. Right. Mom times four. Um, I've been in Boulder for almost 20 years now. I went to see you and, and never really left. Um, yeah. And I'm. this will be my fourth Olympic trials, but my first one in the marathon. So it feels like a new adventure. And uh, yeah, excited to talk about it. Amazing. Let's kick it off with why running? Why, why is running the thing that anchors the life that, that you guys all lead? Just deep from the start. <laughs> Dive right in. Well, <laughs> well, um, for me, like running is is pretty steady. It's always there when you need it. I think when I um, first found running, I was going through a really hard time. You know, I was like 13 years old and I just decided to put on a pair of shoes and head down a dirt road in Nebraska where I grew up. And I just found it so soothing. And I just realized really quickly that no matter what's going on, I can always do that and kind of feel regulated afterwards. So, you know, that evolved into competition and racing, but really it just started as a way for me to be by myself. And really now it's still that. My, my house is a little chaotic. <laughs> so I'm like, oops, sorry, mom has to go for a run because it's sort of my job now. Um, I am sponsored by Puma and, and I have these big goals to chase, but really at the end of the day, it's just like an hour a day where nobody needs anything from me and I can just chill. Yeah, I'd, I'd say running in my life has always just kind of been a catalyst and it's something that's, it's been a vehicle for me to explore different pieces of myself and something I can feel good about, which I think a lot of people need in their lives is something to feel good about. And running's been that for me. It's the reason I moved here. It's the reason I met my wife, um, who I've now mentioned twice. Uh, <laughs> she's not even here. Shout out to Emma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, running has just kind of been the cornerstone of my existence for a really long time. And it's, it's helped that I am good at it and I found a way to excel, but it's also just been a comforting thing that I can always... <laughs> come back to and uh, just a reliable part of my existence. Uh, for me, running has actually been uh, family. Like it's really been a place for me to have people to go to. Um, I grew up an only child, didn't have a lot of people around. And so it just, yeah, it, it definitely was a place where I found confidence in family. So I, I've come back to it even as I've gotten older, like this right here, like community and people coming around each other has just been so amazing for me. So that's why I love running. Do you want to hear my answer? Of course. Um, well, I started running with my grandpa when I was younger. And I think because I had that introduction to it, of it being a bonding experience or like a way for me to get a Pepsi, um, <laughs> started off like really innocent and pure. And I think obviously later I found out I was good at it. But I think the, like, the pureness that it brought me when I was younger is what I just always loved and always went back to. And kind of like Sarah said, it's, it's calming for me. It centers me. And it's brought a lot of incredible people into my life. I mean, we run on like Tuesdays, Bubblelink, so, you know, yeah. I'm going to answer this one too, um, because my answer is this. I run, uh, Jason Fitzgerald is in the audience. Jason and I share a lot of miles together. And um, we joke that it's a, basically a competition to see who is fitter and faster and has a lower heart rate on our runs. And, and to me, it's like, that's, that's it. I train so that I can beat Jason on those runs and <laughs> keep up with an Olympian on Bobo on Tuesdays and, and do stuff like this because this, to me, is the core of, of why, um, why running matters and bringing us together for, for you know, something that is optional and usually uncomfortable, particularly in the marathon or if you're running an 800, that's certainly impossibly <laughs> hard to... Um, 
And that leads us to, to setting goals around it. So a lot of us are here because we, it's more than just running. It's, it's more than, you know, the couple of times a week we run, but we set goals and, and strive for those goals. And to me, it's not the, the achieving of the goals that is the point. It's, you know, it's tired to say it's the process, but like, it really is the process. So, um, Diving into that side of it, you guys have all aspired to run in the Olympic trials or the Olympics. Um, what is it about setting these goals and big goals in particular that that drives you forward? Okay, so let me start again. Whoever wants to jump in, let's go down the line. Yes. All right. Um, well, for me, it's you know, like you said, you, you do have to enjoy the process. I think I learned pretty quickly um, after high school like getting into the bigger competitive world of this sport, that running doesn't owe you anything. Just because you work hard doesn't mean you'll get the results. Um, once I realized that, I was like, I have to enjoy the process. Otherwise, I'm not going to keep doing this, which is also okay. You know, to if it's not for you, it's not for you. But obviously, everyone in this room has made the same decision I have and has said, yeah, running is for me. And that, um, you know, no matter the end goal, I have to enjoy the other things running brings me along the way, like we talked about people in your life, community, things like that, but still holding on, like for me, I hold my big goals loosely, if that makes sense. Like I still am holding tight to an Olympic dream, but like holding it loosely because you never know what's going to happen. The marathon certainly doesn't owe you anything. Um, so I just want to see what happens. I'm curious about my edges. I'm curious about how far I can push myself. Um, but I also know at the end of the day, if I had to retire tomorrow, I'd be pretty darn happy. So um, yeah, that's how I think of it. That's a great answer. Yeah. That's essentially what I was going to say, but... Um, we'll let you go first yeah, next time. Yeah, <laughs> Man, okay, we got we to switch up directions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say if I had to add anything to that, it's that for every like big goal that I've achieved, I've had my heart broken five times, <laughs> you know? And so it's good for me to have goals, but yeah, I, I would say I'm more process-oriented than goal-oriented. I love, I run for a team called the Roots Running Project here in Boulder, and I just love meeting up with my guys a few days a week and meeting up with my friends for easy runs. And that's really what keeps me into it. And I've just learned over time that if I stay dedicated to that process, then I'll find myself in situations where I can pursue big goals. And so when they happen, it's really nice. But when you make a life in running, as I have, you really just have to like learn to love all of it and realize that like most of it hurts and it's disappointing <laughs> but physically uh, and mentally physically and mentally but there's enough good things and just enough little things that that keep me going i think yeah those are great answers i'll add that you know going after goals it's not just that there's not a, a guarantee but i think it's kind of fun to see like even if there's the possibility and so i love the idea of of chasing things just to see what's possible um even if it doesn't happen um and so there's something very exciting about that i think um so even when i fail i'm like okay well it doesn't mean like let me try something else like try a different approach to what i'm doing and there's something very exciting about that and seeing um cuz you just don't know until you try and i think the alternative of not trying well, then the answer is right there. Like, you're obviously not going to achieve it. So there's something about the process of just seeing what's possible that I really love. So I'll add that to, because what you guys said is also, I agree. I think goals are important. I, I don't like the word goal because I think of like high school me that didn't meet the goal. And, but I had to learn like, that doesn't mean you failed and you can't be afraid to fail either. Like in life, you're hardly ever going to get everything that you want. 
And also sometimes the goal doesn't bring you the happiness you thought it would. Like I thought making an Olympic team would make me the happiest person on the planet, and it didn't. You know what made me really happy? Training for the 2016 trials made me so happy, and I didn't make the team, right? So it's, it's just constantly challenging yourself and trying to be better, and, but also realizing like it's a pursuit. And if you're not enjoying that, it really doesn't, when you get it, then it doesn't feel the way you think it's going to feel. But listening to all you guys, how do you guys get through, like, no, you said for every time you knock it out of the park five times, you just totally suck, right? So, like, how do you get through those periods when, like, you've put so much time and effort into it and it doesn't go the way you want? You want to go this way? Oh, to start. Sure. Yes, right. Thanks, Ken. Um, honestly, like, for me, I, I've had friends tell me, like, you're crazy, like, because you, I've, I've dealt with injuries a lot. Um, so I've gone after goals and I just miss and then I keep trying again. And I honestly get through it with all, like I said, like the family part around it and just everybody that is involved in the process. And so I just really, like I would be remiss to not go through it again. And that's how I kind of get through it. Um, and even most recently, um, I had a really, you know, I'd hit the marathon time, but three weeks too early. And so I needed to hit it again and I kept getting injured, but I had this gift of being able to work with Wazel, and that was a perfect example of why, like, I'm kind of glad it happened because I don't know if I would have had the opportunity to work with Wazel had I not gone through the experience that I went through. So I think that's part for me anyway is that um, I get back up because I still want to see what kind of experiences and things that I can kind of, I don't know, gain from the whole thing, even though it really does suck. And sometimes I'm like, you know, it's better to just not try because then I won't get hurt or whatever it might be. Then you're not really living, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's only one key to success in in distance running. Does anybody know what that is? A little audience participation. Any guesses? Show up. Anybody else? Come on. No, is it consistency? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But I, I would change. I would use the word persistence um, in my own case. And so the fact that I've failed, like, so many times, uh, <laughs> but I've been running professionally for almost a decade at this point, and there have been plenty of opportunities for me to stop, and I look back on it, and a lot of those stopping points come before like what ended up being breakthroughs in my life, and you know, I went to a D3 school, I never ran state in high school. There were so many reasons for me just to like, not continue to do this, um, but I've just made that decision over the course of years to go out and run every day or most days. And it's resulted in me achieving some goals that uh, weren't even goals because they were just so big. Um, but yeah, in that running is cyclical, you're going to fail a bunch. Um, but I think at the end of all of our careers, we'll remember like five races, you know, out of, out of however many we did. And um, you just kind of have to make sure that the overall experience is worth it. And, you know, five, memory, five good memories is five good memories, so. <laughs> five that you wouldn't have had. Yeah, five you wouldn't five have you had. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, heartbreak's a part of life, right? So running reflects life. And my approach to those fall flat on my face races, which I've had plenty of, um, literally and figuratively, um, I used to do the steeplechase. <laughs> um, <laughs> She was you literally know, falling <laughs> yeah. into I, water. I think that like my approach is just to be like Dory and just keep swimming, forget about it. You know, short-term memory. I don't like to think about those. Yeah, <laughs> just keep moving forward. I think somebody on this panel has a co-host that says, "Keep showing up." Somebody. 
Again, Somebody does that. Most famous for being her bestie. <laughs> yeah. It's actually the Des Linden show. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> um, Carrie, you said something to me in a run a couple of weeks ago that you alluded to here um, just now, which was the happiest running you ever had was training for the 2016 trials. You didn't make that team. What was it that was enabling you to be the happiest runner version of yourself? Um, I think I was a full human. Um, my husband was a big part of the process in that, in that block. I had a child that was only one, just so we're clear. I'm not, not Saravoning it here. Um, just one, but old enough to like know his mom was working for something. I mean, when I didn't make it, he was the first one to tell me it's okay. Like, that's the first time I cried. He was like, it's okay, mom. Um, I was back with people who I loved dearly, back with people who believed in me. I didn't have to prove anything to the people I was working with, my coaching staff and everyone around me. And I don't know, I really loved it. It was just so magical. And it felt like, I'm sorry, this is so weird. This is kind of supposed to be about me. This, this is a space um, to make Kara cry. Yeah. God. It was just an awesome time. Everything was for the right reason. Everyone believed. Everyone was happy. And, and I was, you know, it wasn't to check a box. It wasn't to fill a sponsorship. It wasn't because I had to. It was because I wanted to. And I loved it so much. And I didn't get the magical ending that we were all hoping for. But I would do it again with the same result because it was just awesome. How do you guys carry a goal like that? Like, how do you ensure that you are, with every stride, aiming for the best version of yourself, both in running and life. You start not. I don't think I do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like, find how it... How do you do that? <laughs> I, I find it really exhausting to try to be my best all the time. And so I, th I think a lot of days is just getting what I can get out of myself. And if I spend too much time fixating on the goal, then... I just lose track of where I am on any given day. Like, I want to go to the trials and I want to run really well, but like, you know, if I feel really bad on a certain day, I'm just going to like cut the run and go home. See, this is why I ask questions like this to people who are much smarter than I am because like that's not what I would have expected. But what he's saying is that, what is it, C's get degrees? No, oh, absolutely. And, and that's, that's, that's been like the story of my, the literal story of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But seriously, like, I forget who said it, but constantly being good is way better than occasionally being great. Yeah, I just want to be good enough. Like, I, and, and for me, like, good enough doesn't mean great, you know? And so that's kind of most of my days now. And I find when I'm doing that and giving myself some grace, I'm just a lot happier. And when I'm happier, I'm running a lot better. Um, in running, you have to be really malleable. You have to be willing to change and adapt. And I think if you're really fixated on a big goal, you have to have goals. But if you're super fixated on it, you don't give yourself the leeway to take care of yourself. At least that's been my experience. I did a podcast with a friend named Tansy. It was like episode 152, I want to say. Um, that's remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time that I had um, someone else doing the, the audio production, so I remember that one vividly. But anyway, Tansy talked about, um, as Sarah was saying, keeping a goal and not squeezing it, but it, imagine it's an egg in your hand. And if you squeeze it too hard, the egg cracks. But if you keep it and hold it close, but not too close and not too tight, it doesn't, it doesn't break. Yeah. I think recently... 
I'll say the last four years, having a high schooler who's a runner, I've sort of relearned that um, it's all about getting back to basics. Like I can drive myself crazy. Um, I don't know, four weeks ago, somebody who I really respect in the running world was like, do you have heat lamps around your treadmill? And I was like, oh my God, no. Do you have an industrial sized humidifier? No, like all these little things. Is it CJ Albertson? No, but, <laughs> but it was another Olympian. Like, and so, you know, I. I felt myself kind of like panicking, like, no, should I get a chicken coop and put my, (laughs) yeah. So I, having a high schooler though, you know, these kids, they have me come talk like this to them sometimes and they, they get a little angsty like that too. They're like, we want to start doing double thresholds and we want the smart carbon shoes and we want the smart watch. And I'm like, no, you, are you sleeping eight hours a night? Are you feeding yourself? Are you wearing decent shoes. They don't have to be boring. It's the boring stuff. And so I'm preaching this to these kids and it's like, I've had to relearn that the last four years too because I felt that angst too. Like you feel like you're falling behind if you're not doing all these little things. Like, no, get back to basics. Man, I'm focusing on sleep. It's been so great. Like I'm focusing on fueling myself, all this stuff that I preach to these kids. And really at the end of the day, again, it goes back to consistency and and keep showing up with with those basic things. You don't have to overcomplicate it. We don't have time for that. I want to know why the marathon for all three of you, but I want to start with Sarah because Sarah ran at the World Championships in the 1500 not that long ago. So yeah, it's very, like, this. Talk about we talk about range all the time, especially now with certain females, but I mean, we have someone with incredible range right here. So I would love to know why you guys love and focus on the marathon, or if you just don't love it. <laughs> that would be the case. Yeah. Um, I do love it. I didn't know I was going to love it. I was actually running a mile race, um, Sir Walter Mile in North Carolina, when Molly Seidel was running her Olympic bronze medal. And they had it up on the big screen at this track. And I was trying to focus and warm up and get ready for my one mile race. Um, And this was only less than four years ago, three years ago. Um, But I don't know. She was just so inspiring. And um, people like Kara and people like my coach, Amy Hastings, who have, she medaled at a world champs they just I don't know so inspiring and there's something about the marathon that connects you to community differently than track does and so I could just see that all and that in the back of my mind that real seed was planted like maybe I want to try this someday and then fast forward to the end of that track season the next year I guess um I was like gearing up for this long winter of all these miles to get ready for the next summer and I was like man, this training looks a lot like marathon training. I like, I hit a hundred miles a week a few times and I was like, let's just see. And it started as a big experiment. My only goal was to maybe qualify for, you know, to hit a qualifying mark for um, the Olympic trials. And I wasn't sure how it would go. Um, Turned out really great. And then you won. I was sold. (laughs) I was, I was sold. I was. You debuted at 226, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So. Again, just like like we keep talking about, just see what happens. I was super curious. Um, and I was like, wow, that was really cool. And and running a marathon is so different than running track. And getting ready for these trials is so different than in, than the track trials. It just feels different. And I feel connected to, to a lot of other runners. So that's why. Yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons I love the marathon. I mean, logistically, it's what I think plays to my strengths. You know, career-wise, that's kind of like the best financial move you can make as a distance runner is to like run the marathon. But more so, I love the training. I love the community aspect. Because if you you run New York, you are part of New York for that day. And if you run Chicago, you're part of Chicago for that day. If you run Boulderthon, you're part of Boulderthon. If you run Boulderthon, you're part of Boulder. (laughs) 
for that day. And so, you know, being involved in those communities and they're just such big events with such a long run up and you have 40,000 people behind you pursuing the same goal and you all have, you know, a shared experience at the end of the day, no matter what the, uh, what the outcome was. And yeah, I, I ran one track trials as well. And it was kind of like, you get out there, it's a really cool experience, but then you just kind of go home and the marathon, it's just like a whole thing. Um, and so I, I kind of love the, the pageantry of it and just the, you know, growing up idolizing these pro athletes who were just like making their name on huge stages on NBC um, really, really inspired me. Athletes like you. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's why I do the marathon. Um, main, well, I'm not fast. I'm definitely not. You're a, fast. You're fast. You are no, fast. No, but I, I'm not a speed athlete. You're fast. Um, I remember I ran with Kara in college and, um, see you, see you. Um, and I remember a workout where our coach Mark was like, Brianna, if you're going to win, you, you need to get ahead before it gets to the sprint because you're just not that fast. And I'm like, I know. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not fast, but I also, um, really love things that are long and grinding. So I've done Ironmans and the marathon, there's just something kind of magical about like, how can you run 26.2 miles as hard as you can? Um, and the same thing with the Ironman is like, how can I cover all that distance, but like go as fast as I can. But um, not too far, but too fast. <laughs> right. Like, it's like a 5k, like it's not much time. Right. And like, there's I, it, not that it's not a hard race, but there's just something very magical to me about that, trying to see how you can get the most out of yourself for something that's actually quite long. So both that, and then always was inspired by Kara, honestly, um, with everything that she did with the marathon. All right, that's enough praise for Kara. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been uncomfortable. When you, but when you run with somebody and you see them evolve, it's just kind of cool because you're like, oh my gosh, like it's just kind of neat to see somebody like run a distance that fast. I'm, I'm always in awe. Like, And as the athletes continue to get faster, I'm like, how do they, it's amazing. So. Well, Noah's going to be a trail runner. Right? Noah is a trail runner, so he's going to go super long. Right? I, I do run Cottonwood Trail. <laughs> <laughs> Many it's a days two a mile week. trail. I see yeah. Noah twice a day <laughs> out there. I used to live in North Boulder, and literally every time I would run, I'd see him. I know, like six times. On I see you on Cottonwood. I spend a lot of time out there. Wait, if that it's, means trail running, then I'm a trail yeah. runner because I'll do Cottonwood. It's my, it's my happy place. We can talk about it more later. <laughs> Kara, same question to you. Um, Probably like them, I grew up thinking like, why would you do that? That looks awful. But um, I still think that. Yeah. But I, I think when I decided to transition or give it a shot, I, there was some, and this was BC before carbon. So I do think you can run more than one or two marathons a year now, but you definitely couldn't back in the day. And I thought there was something scary, but also really exciting about putting so much effort into one thing that um, you have no control. I mean, you have the control, you can control your controllables, right? Like we all know, blah, blah, blah. But, like, things can happen and it could go wrong. And there's something about that that was terrifying but also really exciting. Like, to put so much effort into something where there are no guarantees. Because, obviously, I came from the track. You have a bad 5K. You can literally race it the next weekend and try to correct it. And you can't do that with the marathon. I don't know why. That was really intriguing to me and made it really special. And it also made me really admire the people that were doing it because... They were putting so much into it without without a second chance a week later. I don't know. That was really appealing to me. Awesome. This podcast episode is supported by Wazelle, one of my favorite brands in the running space. If you somehow haven't heard of Wazelle, they're a running apparel company that's run by women for women. 
And you might be thinking, John, why are you representing a women's running brand? Because here at the podcast, we only work with brands that we can stand behind and we can fully stand behind Moselle's mission and vision. Their goals are filled with integrity, design great product, build sisterhood, and improve the sport. And this year, they're taking these goals a step further with the Year of the Underbird program. They've selected a small group of marathoners who have secured Olympic trials qualifying times, women who have previously been overlooked or underappreciated and sponsored them to get to the trials with stipends, gear, storytelling, community involvement, and potentially a bonus. Over the next few months, they'll be supporting a series over here at the podcast, helping to amplify and share the stories of these resilient athletes, all leading up to Olympic marathon trials in Orlando. Wazelle is striving to help develop athletes at all stages of running. They also happen to have some of the best running apparel for women out there. So if you want to support Wazelle in their mission to help people feel like they belong here, you can check out more about the Year of the Underbird campaign at the link in our show notes. And if you're in the market for some great running gear, head on over to their website and use the code FTLR10 for 10% off your first order. Let's help improve our running community together. This is a fun one. If you know me and the For the Long Run team, you know it's important for me to forge local partnerships. You also know how much I care about making sustainable choices that are good for our planet, preserving the places we love to run. That's why we're so excited to be partnering with Emic Volkswagen, a family-owned and operated auto group based in the Denver-Boulder area. Emic has been in business for over 50 years, spanning four generations. Not like some dealerships that just treat you like your number, the Emic Group truly cares about customer service and has transparent pricing, and they're right here in Boulder. All this and Volkswagen has one of the best electric SUVs on the market, the ID4. This car has a range of over 260 miles and is one of the few electric vehicles that actually exceeds its estimated range at highway speeds. Beyond using less or no gas, electric vehicles like the ID4 provide tons of federal and state rebates or tax credits up to $12,500. When we think about partnering up with companies for the podcast, we want to make sure the company cares about our community, our planet, and has products we actually believe in. With Emic Volkswagen, it hits all the categories and then some. Stop by the Emic Volkswagen dealer here in Boulder and say that we sent you. Their team is wonderful. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, consider electric and consider the Volkswagen ID4. Thank you so much to the Emic Volkswagen team for supporting this community. My girlfriend, Kate, who is in the audience today, <laughs> has, has a sticker on her water bottle that says, no one cares from Laura Green. Many of you may be familiar with Laura and her antics on Instagram. Um, I want to direct this question to Brianna. Um, you were lining up, or you were planning to line up for CIM this fall with the intention of running the OTQ to make it to Orlando, and you decided not, not to race. In that process, you learned quite a lot, I'm sure, with the anchor being no one cares, but people really care what did you learn? I mean, so much. Um, but I, I definitely, like, I personally deal with a lot of anxiety over, like, what people will think about me. Um, I'm sure a lot of us can relate. And when when you've been given, I was given what I felt was a gift to be able to run um, on the Wazelle Underbird program. Um, I'd been given this gift that I saw that it was possible for me to OTQ because I'd run the time just a little too soon. And so there's this, like, for me, like a, a sense of like, don't take advantage of this opportunity. Um, and then I couldn't run. I literally physically could not. And the fear of 
of what would happen, um, which is silly, but really, like, what, what's going to happen if I don't do this? And that people were going to be mean, um, when really it was the quite the opposite. Um, people do care, and they care about not the result or the time. They cared about me. And that was just incredibly, it was such a gift. And so um, as much as I want to be at the trials, um, I will take the gift that I got. At the moment, I did not like that gift, but <laughs> I will take the gift now because um, I, I realized that like, it really was not about that at all. Um, Wazell did not sponsor me for the trials, actually. They sponsored me because of me, and I, I really, really learned that. And so um, people do actually care, but in the, not in the way you think. They don't care about your time. I mean, it's cool to see fast times, but they care about you and what you're doing. And it sounds cheesy, but it truly is so true. I got messages from people that I didn't even know. They're like, you inspire me. Like, thank you so much for all you do. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are, but thank you. Like, that's really cool. And so I learned a lot about, about the, the caring aspect um, just by making decisions that were good for me, but also being surrounded by good people. So I want to see if I can prove a point. Can anyone raise your hand, name the PRs of every person on this panel? Guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. What am I doing with my life? So you've all been listening to them for 25 minutes. You're here for some reason. Maybe it's the food, maybe it's the, the group run. No but you've been listening so intently to these people and the numbers, you don't know them. And it's the it's the story, it's the journey. And and uh, I can love we, can we tell them? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's your PR? <laughs> I'm sorry. I think as an elite athlete, that's a lesson you kind of have to learn because our contracts and the sport at the elite level is set up around performances, placements, times. And I think that's one thing in the marathon, you're able to learn that lesson, I think, easier than on the track um, because, like you were saying, Noah, you're running the New York City Marathon. And there's, I don't know how many people, I'm going to say it wrong, but maybe like 50,000 people-ish also running in the exact same course that you are. They're pumped you're there, right? They have their own goal at hand. They're doing whatever, but it really connects everybody. And I think it's a little bit easier to get to that place in the marathon. But as an elite athlete, that's I think that's a learning curve for everyone to realize like, oh, my value isn't if I break 208 or 237 or 220, you know, that's actually not where my value is. It's like in the trying, in the sharing, in the being a part of something bigger than myself. Unless it's breaking two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say that. I'll, I'd have that tattooed on me if I did that. <laughs> Can I tell a story? Yeah, that I think please. Is? So in 2016, I qualified for the track and field trials in the 10K in Eugene, Oregon. And that was kind of like my, you know, coming out party to like the stage of professional running and I was so happy to be there. I qualified like on the last day. It was just like, my mind was blown. And I get out there and I have the worst race that I've ever had in my life. I was lapped twice in the race. I finished dead last. Um, I was out kicked in the last 25 meters for last place. And I, and, I, and, I, and I was just absolutely devastated by it. I thought like, you know, this is it. No one's ever gonna talk to me again. But to this day, which is what now, eight years later, people still come up to me and congratulate me on making the Olympic team in 2016 because they just remember watching me run that day. And so I really learned this lesson. It was this like, 
Nobody cares. Nobody remembers the outcome of that race, which was objectively a terrible, terrible performance. But in the mind of this person, like, I am an Olympian. <laughs> you know? And so I, like, when it first started happening, I had, like... And that was, person is Emma. Yeah. I, I was having, like, an existential crisis of, like, why do I even race? Because, you know? But I, I just think that that kind of applies here. I love that. Um, we've got a couple of microphones to the sides. If Does anyone have a question for the panel? For anyone in particular, a question? Yes, please. He's going to ask us our PBs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, it's like, please PBs ask or PRs? PBs. Um, you mentioned before having a great race. What, in your mind, constitutes a great race and sets it apart from just sort of a normal race? And, like, what is the feeling? What do you look for? Yeah, I think... You, you touched on it, it's a feeling for me. It's usually not necessarily achieving a goal on the clock, although that's nice also. To me, it's like those moments, we've all experienced it, where you're like in flow and you just feel good and you feel like your well is infinitely deep and you can keep pushing and pushing. And the tricky part about the great races is they're wonderful and you have to remember that feeling, but it always leaves you thinking, hmm, that felt really good. Maybe I could go a little faster. <laughs> so I think for me, those great races like keep me coming back for more, um, but I also just remember like how good that felt and, and carry that through, so. For me, the great races have been the ones where I really feel like I won the mental battle. Um, every race I've ever done, I've like wanted to quit at some point, I think. But in my best races, I've gotten to that point and you know, just said not today enough times that I eventually got to the finish and you know, hit the time that I thought I was physically capable of. And so those days when I get myself into that psychological space where I can capitalize on the just physical fitness that I spent so long building, um, those, those are, have been the special days. Yeah, I mean, I would echo the same. Um, the great races for me, too, also, they actually go by super fast. I don't know if any of you, like, you don't remember what happened because it was just so wonderful. And then I'm like, oh, I should have been paying attention more. But those great races, like, everything just kind of, yeah, clicks and flies. And you're just like, wow, that was really fun. The bad ones you remember every step. Yes, <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh, for me, a great race was just knowing I got everything out of myself. Like, remove the context of anyone else's performance in that race, but knowing that I got... Like, I did everything that I could control perfectly. Like, I did it, and whatever the result was, it was. But I do want to just echo what Noah said about he thinks about dropping out. My husband, when, was, when I first started running well, was like, every race you're going to doubt and want to, and just want to stop. And just, that happens. And he's like, the fitter you get, it doesn't matter. You're just running faster, and you still think about, like, why am I doing this? I'm going to quit. So... And he would just be like, be prepared, like know that that's going to come. And so I love that Noah brought that up because I do think the mental part of it, like acknowledging you're, you're running hard, you're physically working hard, you're, you know, your brain starts to go, why are you doing this? And if you're not ready for that, that's what can kind of throw off what could be a great day. But it's super, super normal. So don't fear that feeling, know what's going to come and just be ready for how you're going to counteract it. That's my tip. <laughs> there you go. Do we have other questions from the audience? Yes. So for us kind of more normal people, we have these big build-ups to these big races, like, you know, New York just happened and those folks running Boston. And then you do it, you ride in this big high, you're telling everybody that you know about your experience. And I don't know if this happens for you guys, but then like a day or two later, it's like the world ended. Yeah. You go in this thing as, looking for tips on how you handle that funk. 
the, po- the post-marathon blues is, yeah. is, to, is what you refer to. Yep. I don't know. I think you just have to ride it out. I think that's super normal. I remember being like so depressed after some of the greatest moments of my career, feeling depression. Like, what is happening? You know, but I think it's totally normal. And for me, it would be like a little bit of just writing it out, but also then thinking of something else. Like, what else could I do this year? You know, you talked about New York to Boston. So then it's like, I finished New York. I'm starting to feel that depression of like, oh, I feel so sad. It's over. And then I would think, okay, Boston, oh, that makes me feel excited. So always kind of like dangling the carrot of something new and fresh would help me kind of get out of that slump. I think you have to view it as a loss because this, this race has been a presence in your life for six months. And then the next day it's gone. And so you're, whether it went well or not, you're still experiencing the loss of something that you were holding tightly to. And I think it's okay to mourn that going away. But, you know, in times like with any loss, you are able to kind of pivot to something else. Um, that's, that's how I've always kind of looked at it. Yeah, and just a practical tip, something I do, because I've felt that several times. Um, I plan a project for my rest weeks, like um, something that I've avoided doing for the previous three months, you know? A chicken coop. A chicken coop, or like, you know, I I do, like, or I I like to be a little creative, so I'll plan, like, some sort of, I don't know, art project, but, like, an actual project that takes time and mental energy so that you can kind of switch your focus to that while you're recovering. And then I find that I don't get as deep into a funk um, when I'm, tiling a bathroom or whatever it is. Are you for hire? <laughs> no, you can't afford me. <laughs> you have to buy a house. I took it way too long. <laughs> I'll be at your house for three weeks. <laughs> that could Just be working out your issues. <laughs> Any other questions from the audience? Uh, what do you do during your off seasons? Tile my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> What is an off-season? <laughs> uh, Group runs and fleet feet. My life doesn't really change a whole lot when I'm not training because I'm still doing some exercise. I just probably have more time to play guitar. Yeah, I mean, I, I work uh, full-time, full-time. So, I mean, I'm always keeping myself busy. Um, so, yeah, it's not really... I mean, I take some time away from running, but I can fill it pretty quickly with other things personally. But, yeah. I stay up late watching Netflix. Oh, that's okay. I'm like, I'm like Don't very serious about myself, my like sleep health during when I'm training. But like, if it's off season, I'm naturally a night owl. So I just let myself be a night owl. Yeah. <laughs> and then I regret it the whole next day. But, you know, yeah. But nobody will bother. You can just sleep in, right? Totally. I get to sleep in until <laughs> 7.03. You <laughs> got another question back there. Yep. Yeah, hey guys, my name is Adam Holtz. Uh, Piggybacking off of the mental recovery question, how do you balance striving and self-acceptance or like phrase the different way or to use a mountain analogy since we're in Colorado, how do you be content on the summit of a peak when you see five other peaks on the horizon that are all of equal beauty? Hell yeah, I love that question. That's a great question. You should be up here. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, let's switch seats actually. Um, I'll just answer because I'm already talking, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Story of your life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I guess I'll use the last marathon I ran as kind of an example. I ran uh, California International Marathon six weeks ago, something like that. And I was coming off an Achilles surgery that I had earlier in the year. And so I had set, you know, kind of my like pie in the sky goal of qualifying for the trials again because I hadn't run a time in the window. 
And so I ran 216. I accomplished the goal of the trials and it was amazing. But I was also, 216 is nine minutes slower than my personal best. And so I was really happy to have achieved that goal. But then there was that other part of me that was just like, man, you're so far away from, <laughs> from like where you want to be. But I had to really just focus on, I had to like force myself just to be happy that I accomplished this thing that I previously didn't know was possible. And I'm just going to worry about getting faster later. And so I just had to adopt a really narrow focus, I think. That's kind of how I faced that. I'm done talking now. (laughs) Uh, I mean, for me, like, just be where your feet are. And if you're in the valley, sometimes that's beautiful, too. Um, My life, like, I, I find, again, to echo what we've been saying, like, my kids do not care what I ran. They literally don't care. I mean, I've had the best days of my life and they're like, what's for dinner? You know, like they don't care. And so, I don't know, just diving back into life and, and hills and valleys are are, are part of life. Um, I don't I'm know. Trail if running right now. <laughs> <laughs> trail running. It's always there. But yeah, I just think like... It, finding the beauty and, and you can learn lessons. You can, you can like make it really complicated. But for me, I'm like, this is a tough day. It's okay to have a tough day. Um, and you will get back to that next peak when you get there. I also think comparison is the thief of joy. So if you've reached a summit, there may be a million other summits, but you reached a summit that you were trying to reach. I think it's important to, when I look back at my career, Anytime I had a good race, I was already thinking about like, well, how could I make that better? Instead of just sitting in the, in the moment and, and not saying, well, if I had done this, maybe I would have finished where she finished. It just like stole so much joy in the moment that should have been met. And it's okay to, you know, it's your own journey. If you reach the summit, you should sit in that for a minute. Be like, I did this. I worked hard. I accomplished this. Sure. There's all these other people doing things, but I, I accomplished something that I wanted to accomplish. And that's important. Yeah, to be to piggyback off of that, I we actually have been really um, intentional about celebrating like the the good days. Like if if we have a good day, we'll have a little party. Like I had a little party after Chicago. We did a champagne toast. We did like we like really took time to celebrate because, like Kara said, and like I mentioned before, when you have a good race, you're always thinking about the next thing. But take pause, take a minute, enjoy the view of those those summits, and and not not worry about what other people are doing. Yeah. It, is it is hard. And it was it was a hard lesson for me. I mean, I learned that pretty late into my career to enjoy like really enjoy those days because you don't necessarily know when the next one's coming. Pretty late in your career, aren't you just getting started? <laughs> pretty late into my career, yes. No. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say the other thing I try to remind myself is when I'm in the valley that it, it isn't always gonna be that way. Um, because I sometimes forget, you know, it's because you're there and you're like, this is lasting forever. Like I'm hurt forever or whatever it is, but you, you do eventually get out of it. So I, I have to remind myself that too. Like the valley also isn't, the peak will come again. So. To put that super acutely, I know there are people in this room that have had injuries, surgeries, things that kept them out. And in those moments, it feels like it's feels n- forever. never going to end. But uh, I saw those people running today and it ended at some point. Um, so it's hard to keep that in mind when you're in it. But here are four very talented athletes who are saying, I struggle with this too, but you can you can achieve and you can push through it. Um, first, I just want to say thank you to Kara because your book is so unbelievable. Thank and you. thank you for being so brave to put that into the world. It's thank necessary. You. Your voice is really important for a lot of people. Um, 
What I'd like to know is, how do you start? You know, you guys are approaching these amazing moments and you've had them before, obviously, at Olympic trials. I'd love to know what goes through your head as you're standing at that start line. Everyone's looking at you. You know, where are you mentally? How do you, how do you start? You can refer to our episodes of For the Long Run because I've asked that exact question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Did you not do your homework? <laughs> Sorry. I've read, I also read Adam's book. Um, <laughs> Gotta write a book. <laughs> Um, well, like for me, when I um, run these major marathons, I love to take a moment and look back at all the people who are also about to run. Um, it just feels really cool to like connect and um, have a common goal, even though everybody has their own goals. We're all trying to get to the finish line as fast as we can. So for me, I just literally turn around on the start line and look back at everybody who's, who's about to do the same thing. The trials might be a little different. I probably won't do that. Um, don't give them anything. <laughs> so I'll be looking at, yeah, exactly. So I'll be looking for advice about um, about what to think on that start line. But uh, but yeah, that's what I do. I love that that answer has remained consistent when I asked you in April about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's still true. I always take a moment to pause at big races and just kind of like be grateful that I made it to this start line. There's been plenty of start lines I haven't made it to, especially in marathon training. There's so many opportunities for things to go wrong or pick up an injury that keeps you out of the race. There's really like a marathon before the marathon. And so I think... I always like, that's my first box is like, did I get there? And I take a moment to be grateful for that. And then when the gun goes off, I move my focus to the actual uh, task at hand. But yeah, I really just try to give myself some grace in those moments and be happy for like just that little victory or big victory. Sounds like a gratefulness mindset like that you get into. Attitude of gratitude. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Yeah, you took mine because like, I've been injured so much that like when I get to the start line, I'm like, I did it. Like I'm here, I'm healthy, I get to, and then I'm super excited because I'm like, I'm healthy and I can see what I can do. So um, same. Yeah. I'll just say honestly that at the beginning of my career, I would be like crippling nervousness. You know, like how did I get on the starting line? I grew up on spam and nothing organic. Like how am I here? Not the email kind. Yeah, no, no, really, spam. Um, and so I think I had to learn to control that. And part of the process for me was keeping this thing called the confidence journal and writing something every day, what I was doing leading to my goal and then reviewing that the night before, and reminding myself like, no, I deserve to be here. I belong here. And then on the actual starting line, it's really easy again to look around and see everybody so fit and like, lose focus of all the work you've done. So really trying to stay centered. I'd love to say like gratitude, but mostly I was just like, this is about me. I have <laughs> prepared to be here. I'm going to do what I'm ready to do. And whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to focus on what I can control. And usually my heartbeat would be like 180. <laughs> I had a uh, specific question for Kara, just out of curiosity. Um, you were saying that you're favorite year, your most joyful year of training was 2016. And um, recently I came across a interview clip, um, and I'm assuming it's when you may have made a transition from um, that team we won't name in Oregon. But uh, it seemed to be post-race, and they asked the question about how, how you were able to put in such a performance, and your answer was 
because you had just said it was either a hundred or a thousand pounds of Was there effing, some profanity? Yeah, effing baggage. <laughs> um, and I was curious if that was in the year 2016. It was. So uh, that was the same year. That okay. was the end of the Olympic trials where I yeah. finished fourth and obviously only three go. But I think being able, I, this is, now we're getting in deep, but I yeah. had been keeping other people's secrets and it was poisoning me. Yeah. It wasn't even my, it, I didn't even do it. And it was, I was the one that was being poisoned, not these other people. And I think finally just telling the truth out loud, whatever the consequences were, which were great. It was losing sponsorship and friendships, whatever. But then surrounding myself with people who loved me and knew I was telling the truth and believed in me. It was so powerful. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that interview was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually it was found it to race, be. Right? Yeah, I it found it race. to be super powerful. I think I watched it like twenty times. Well, I, I was like, I'm that. going running right now. <laughs> I and so that. I just wanted to say that everybody, all of you guys, are an inspiration to me. Um, I just love watching everybody uh, and they're chasing their goals and whatnot. And so uh, thank you guys for putting today on. Thank Thanks, you. Troy. Thanks for coming. Thanks for fueling a lot of my training. Also, <laughs> <laughs> Troy's a manager at Hoppa, and so I eat a lot of sushi. Uh, that's good sushi. Yeah, it's great. We got to get Hoppa sponsoring. It definitely a it, dinner event. It here. fuels a lot of my training. Cool. We'll 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 connect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I want to close this by asking each of you one call to action for the runners in this room, the humans in this room. If you could sum all of it up into, into one line, I'm talking for a long time to give you a chance to think about what you're saying, um, but maybe it comes quickly, I don't know. So does anyone want to start with that question? I knew it would be Noah. Yeah. <laughs> like call to action is in like one suggestion? Like what we think all runners should do? Uh, one takeaway. One yeah, okay. I've, okay. I've got an answer that I, I keep a running log. I think is the, the most important thing a runner can do. Um, and I would even go farther saying I keep a running log outside of Strava. Like keep a, like, or just don't be on Strava. Like yeah, I have, a pretty, <laughs> I have a pretty like toxic relationship with Strava. But uh, so like I, I've, I've used the same running log since 2008. Um, and it is an online running log, but it's on a site none of you have ever heard of, so it feels secret. Um, but, Google Sheets. Yeah. But I can go back, how many years is that? Six, how many years is that? 2008 until now? Four, I don't know, a lot of years. 16. 16. I was going to say 16, but that felt like you way were, too yeah. much. <laughs> but I can go back for 16 years and see every single run I've ever done. And I'll write a note about like where it was, who I was with and, and how I was feeling. And so anytime I question something that's going on in my career or sometimes even in my life, I can, I can immediately click back to a certain day in a certain year and put myself back into context. And that's been such a valuable part of my running career. And I should really back that log up because if it disappears, I will be devastated. I was just going to say, get it on paper. Yeah, but I think it's really easy to forget your history and forget the lessons you've learned or things you've gained. And so to have it like written down and to keep a mindfulness practice around your running is usually my number one suggestion. That's just for you, um, I think is important. I love that so much. 
I'm going to show my age here, but I have kept a Mary Inglebright journal since 1993. <laughs> and I have them all in my, That's still get awesome. one for Christmas every year for my mom. And, and I'm like, obviously I'm showing my age because I refuse to type it in. Like, why would I type it in? I'm just going to write it. So I love that reflection. I think it's really fun. I would just say on this side of it, I don't race anymore, but support the runners. Tell their brands that you love them so that they can continue to do what they do. This is going to be a super selfish ask, but turn on your TV when running's on TV and show that you want to see it. And NBC, you can watch Kara. Yeah, specifically turn on NBC so the ratings are good because the better, the more ratings we get, the more we get to showcase these athletes. I mean, we're going to have, we get to show them for three hours on next Saturday. It'll be two hour tape delay, but we get to show the entirety and it's, it matters. It makes them more valuable to their sponsors. So yeah, if you follow them and they inspire you, like continue to support them and tell their brands what they mean to you and turn on NBC. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll say on a different end, just personally, um, if you have goals, no matter how old you are when you started, um, they're still achievable. Um, I hit my goal at 42 and I didn't think I was going to run anything fast at that age. So you know, if you have goals, don't let somebody tell you they're not possible. I mean, I know there are some limits in this world, but I think we limit ourselves way too much. So that would be my my advice as a runner and not just in running, but in life. So yeah, mine was going to be really similar. Actually, I was going to say, don't be afraid to set big, scary goals and go for it. Um, yeah, I, I transitioned to the marathon, ran my first marathon when I was like 36 or something. And I, you know, i not going to be the oldest on the start line next Saturday, but I'm going to be pretty close to the oldest on the start line. And um, I don't I don't feel limited by that, and, and you shouldn't either. So don't be afraid to set those big goals. Thank you all. Thank you all. And thank you all. And that's that. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Um, again, this will be recorded and released on For the Long Run podcast uh, if you want to listen to all these gems uh, over and over again, like I'm going to. Um, her Instagram is SME Vaughn. I built the arc. Brie Bomer, Kara Goucher. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo is created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. 